Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nutritional Outlook podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Dr. James Griffiths, Senior Vice President of International and Scientific Affairs for the Council for Responsible Nutrition, about the recent Cocoa Supplement and Multivitamin Outcome Study, also known as COSMOS. As a scientist, Dr. Griffiths can help us better understand the significance of the study's results. And as a participant of the study, he can also offer us some personal insights on the research process that was involved. Supported by an investigator-initiated grant from Mars Edge, a segment of Mars, yes, that Mars, a candy company, dedicated to nutrition research and products, Cosmos investigated the effects of active cocoa extract and multivitamins on cardiovascular and cancer outcomes. The randomized double-blind placebo-controlled 2 by 2 factorial trial took place between 2015 and 2020 with 21,422 subjects. 12,666 of them were women 65 years and older, and 8,776 of them were men age 60 and older. We'll be right back to talk more about the Cosmos study after a word from our sponsor. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At TrueSterum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Welcome back, everyone. We are now joined by Dr. Jim Griffiths. Hi, Dr. Griffiths. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Nice to meet you in this fashion, Jennifer. Awesome. Uh, So before we get into the study, Can you tell us about your professional background and your expertise? Sure. Um, Yeah, I'm a board-certified toxicologist with an advanced degree from uh, Rutgers University in New Jersey. And I've been involved with, um, you know, sometimes directly, often tangentially, in nutrition, food safety issues. And I think that came when I first started after my postdoc at the um, FDA Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition. So I do have that um, FDA food background. I've been at um, CRN, the Council for Responsible Nutrition, for the past nine and a half years, um, handling their international and scientific affairs. And most of what I do is tracking um, regulatory developments outside the USA, especially those that impact um, exports, uh, like uh, emerging tariffs and other potential trade barriers. So that's been my primary focus at CRN, but uh, this particular study is near and dear to my heart, so I'm happy to, uh, to chat with you about it. So when it comes to research, randomized controlled trials are considered the gold standard. Um, this is particularly true with long-term studies, with large cohort cohorts. Um, now, the Cosmos study took place over five years with over 21,000 subjects. The sheer scale of the study, to be frank, sounds to me like a logistical and financial nightmare. Um, can you talk about why these large-scale studies are so important compared to you know, smaller RCTs, uh, with say fewer that a few hundred subjects over a few months, you know, how does a Cosmos study compare to those RCTs or even the average pharmaceutical drug trial? All right. Yeah. Thanks on that, Sebastian. Yeah. The Cosmos uh, study has a name that I think helps put this into perspective against those smaller RCTs that you just mentioned. I've uh, regaled my you know family and friends with the fact that I faithfully took 5,475 pills over the space of five years. And that um, 
I think, attests to the cosmic size of this particular study, especially since I was one of only 21,000 plus uh, participants. So you could multiply that and come up with several million tablets that were being consumed. And unlike uh, most pharmaceutical RCTs, which start with a population that has the disease or an unwanted uh, physiological condition, and then they look for a palliative effect with treatment over the placebo, nutrition RCTs by their mandate, start with a large healthy population and then look for the development of disease or those unwanted physiological effects. So this latter paradigm is much harder to run, much more expensive and takes a lot more individuals and a lot more time. So that's a major difference in how the studies are designed and what the populations uh, that are used in the study, you know, how they differ for the uh, looking for those end results. Great, and Jim, you know, we're talking about how you were a subject in this study. How did you come to get involved? And, you know, I know you mentioned a little bit about the pills, but what was the process like for you? Yeah, um, you know, just how does one get involved in a clinical study? Um, you know, you just don't uh, raise your hand and, and have somebody suddenly realize that you're interested. Um, you know, for the bulk of the participants, um, they were recruited via notices in newspapers and bulletin boards, maybe from their healthcare providers. And some of them even participated in, in past studies and therefore were in the database. However, for me, back in the, I guess it was the summer of 2015, um, I was at a scientific conference and just chilling outside the expo hall, uh, just you know, catching my breath. And who should I see but a colleague and friend, Dr. Howie Sesso. And as we chatted about some other clinical studies that were of mutual interest, he happened to mention that he was getting ready to start a large study on cocoflavanols and multivitamins. I expressed some interest. I did not disclose my age, but I felt that I was in the demographic they were looking for. And so um, I, I forgot about it for about six weeks until suddenly a questionnaire appeared in the mail. I filled out the questionnaire and suddenly I was one of those 21,000. So for me, it was a very personal connection with a study director, but I think most of the people are pulled in through probably um, their healthcare providers when they are in for a physical or getting a checkup. Okay, so that's fascinating. And so now you're in the study, was it difficult for you to be consistent in taking the supplements as directed? You know, you mentioned 5,000 pills, like how, how difficult was it to be a subject? You know, just to put it in perspective, we always talk about clinical trials, how difficult is it to be in one? Um, yeah, first of all, I, uh, you're not doing a video or I could probably pull out one of my old uh, blister packs, but every, I got blister packs that were labeled by month that had 31 sets of tablets. So once again, it was very easy to poke out the day's pills and, and take those. And I, I, I've been a routine dietary supplement user for decades, for, you know, for most of my life. I did have to stop taking supplements during the course of the five years. So I just replaced my normal morning routine with the, you know, the two orange and one gray pill that uh, the study, you know, uh, required me to take. So for me, it was not a problem. I do know that in some studies, they do have issues on compliance. Uh, just people, you know, get, you know, kind of worn out, get tired, get bored. I mean, it's, it's hard, but I would faithfully take my cardboard blister pack when I would travel. I would take it whenever I, wherever I went. So yeah, it was something that uh, was kind of a badge of honor for me. Well, I hope they had uh, 21,000 subjects like you who were model participants. So. <laughs> well, the, the, hope, the hope is that there's the same number of uh, you know, conscientious participants in all of the arms of the study such that they kind of negate each other if they are uh, if not handling it properly. And did the researchers check in with you often? Like, what did that look like? When, how, 
what, you know, how did you hear from the people running the study? I get a questionnaire once a quarter. So yeah, over the five years, you figure that's, you know, four, there was like 20 questionnaires. They were multi, they were 20 page questionnaires asking every uh, detail you can conceive on your personal health history, uh, your diet, your exercise, your sleep habits. So they were kept capturing an awful lot of data and you, everyone got, you know, got a questionnaire. Now there were some subgroups that also were uh, giving biological specimens, blood and urine samples. There were some that were in a cognitive arm that were going in for various, um, you know, cognitive uh, testing. So I was not in any of those, um, you know, subgroups. I was just in the, you know, the run of the mill group, but it was heavy on the questionnaires and they'll keep coming. I mean, those questionnaires will probably follow me to the grave as they, as they try to find out, you know, long-term the various effects. Yeah, that, and that's something we were going to ask you anyway, um, you know, after it, after the, the experimental period, like how often, but I think we know that you're yep. going to hear from them forever. So. Right, forever. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, the Cosmos study had four arms. Um, one is cocoa extracts, multivitamins. Uh, two is cocoa extracts with multivitamin placebo, active multivitamin and cocoa extract placebo, and then two placebos. Um, did you ever find out what uh, study arm you were part of? Yes, I did. Um, and to be to be honest, and I guess I can on the podcast, I found out fairly early on because one of my orange capsules, which is designed to you know, be opaque and, and shield from what's inside that capsule, broke open and I saw you know very bitter cocoa powder everywhere. So um, I knew right off the bat early on that I was in a cocoa arm uh, at the tail end, though, I did find out that I had consumed, I guess, 1,800 gray placebos. So I was not taking my daily multivitamin. I was taking hopefully not a lot of sugar, uh, but hopefully, a, you know, an inert uh, placebo. But I was on the uh, cocoflavanol treatment arm and the um, multivitamin placebo. Wow. Um... Yeah, just like someone with your expertise putting you in this trial, if there's a mistake, you're going to catch it. <laughs> so, yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so now on to the results. So in short, the researchers ultimately determined that supplementation with the cocoa extract did not significantly reduce total cardiovascular events, but they did reduce uh, cardiovascular or CVD death by 27%, warranting additional research, they said. So when it comes to multivitamins, you know, no significant effect was observed for daily multivitamin supplementation on breast cancer, but a protective effect of daily multivitamin supplementation on lung cancer was observed. Um, daily multivitamin supplementation did not significantly reduce CVD outcomes, nor did multivitamin supplementation significantly affect all-cause mortality. So to the average person, you know, they might read this and they think, well, you know, that's a lot of work they did to find out that there wasn't actually a significant impact on the one hand and that we need more info on the other. So what was your takeaway when reading the results? How would you explain to somebody why this study, in fact, was important and groundbreaking, in fact? It was, it was important and groundbreaking, I think, first of all, just on the size. Let's just go right there at the beginning, the number of participants and the length of time that we were under treatment. So that right there is a, a significant investment by study directors and those that were uh, managing this particular study. And you've got to remember that many of the, um, the effects, both cancer and cardiovascular, they're, they're complex, they're multifactorial diseases, and expectations that a simple dietary supplement or cocoa flavanol would, you know, dramatically reverse this to 
suddenly seeing no cancer, no heart disease, I think would be way beyond the um, you know, uh, ability to comprehend. Um, and both cancer and cardiovascular disease have very long latency periods. I mean, once again, uh, these are not things that you would notice instantaneously that something had, um, had occurred. You know, there could be um, insult and damage occurring, but there's no symptoms. And, and you know, who knows what symptoms may still arise even in myself after having been on this particular study. And even though you talk about a five-year study, these first papers are only based on the first 3.6 years of follow-up. So they did not look at what has happened even for the full five years of the study. And so for me, seeing any effect, first of all, I think is amazing. Second of all, that the trends are all in the direction that I think is encouraging as a study participant. Um, there was really nothing that showed that either multivitamins or cocoflavanols were worse for cardiovascular health or cancer. So if all of the trends are starting to show some slight benefit, not statistical, I will give you that right off the bat, but a trend, I, I can only imagine what we'll see in, you know, in, in subsequent years when they reach the full five year. I mean, they have not even looked at the last you know, year and a half of, my, of all the questionnaires to see where people have continued to stratify on, uh, on the effect. And there's so many other secondary endpoints that are still to be examined. There are so many biological specimens that they still have frozen for investigation. And so I'm, I'm really encouraged that the trends are there and that we will see something coming out in the future. Yeah, that's great. And we look forward to seeing how, you know, this just enriches what the scientific community know, you know, knows. So it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see, you know, as more analysis is done. Right. Um, another question, Jim. So you were in this study. Would you ever participate in one again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, I found it to be I don't want to say it was exciting because it really wasn't years taking pills, but just to be on the flip side of the studies that I read about, that I digest for CRN members, that I apply to my own life and my family and friends, I think being able to say I was, you know, I was there uh, in a study, I think is really a, an important, I, I really hope that you, I mean, once again, you are probably in a demographic that will at some point be involved in a you know potential study and I, I really would encourage you to look into it. Uh, I was not involved with blood draws or urine specimens so once again there was no invasiveness to what I was doing and uh, you had a chance to really um, you know I think be, be part of something and I think that's important to do. Awesome um, and to close you know since we're talking about cocoa extracts you know what is your favorite chocolate bar? <laughs> that's boy that's that's a tough one because once again uh, i got to be careful with mars as a member <laughs> so um i guess i would i did my postdoc in germany so i'm really partial to you know european chocolates i mean i don't know if that would get me in trouble or not but uh um, and, and once again i i don't want the message to be that eat all the chocolate you want because there's a potential heart benefit i think it's the flavanol portion which are you know very present in teas and berries and you know green leafy vegetables etc i think it's important to recognize that our diet should include a lot of these you know very strong bioactives i'm a tremendous tea drinker so i think i probably get a lot more bioactive there than i do from anything that i eat but uh, you know once again chocolates you know yeah i'm a sucker for chocolates but uh I do like it when my wife comes home with a Toblerone or something from overseas because I just really enjoy uh, you know, the European chocolates. Well, I will back you up on that. We all know that 
Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> from well, Belgium Steve. does a good job, that's for sure. I am yeah. indeed uh, partial to high cacao uh, dark chocolate. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you great. so much. Thanks for being with us, Jim. Yep, my pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this month's episode of the Nutritional Outlook podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines and provide expert insights from industry leaders. Uh, remember, you could always find us online at nutritionaloutlook.com, on LinkedIn and Facebook, and on Twitter at nutritionalo. The, re- the views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Nutritional Outlook, its parent company, or advertisers. Uh, for editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Jennifer Grebo at jgrebo at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.